Hi, Sakile Dembe here. I'm jumping on the mic quickly to let you know that this is part two of a three-episode special podcast series we've put together with the Africa Tech Festival taking place in Cape Town, South Africa between the 13th and 16th of November. And on that note, we're inviting you to an exclusive Investor Day and networking mixer at Innovation City in Cape Town on Monday the 13th of November at 1.30 CAT. Come through and connect with the FFA team, gain valuable insights into Africa's thriving tech landscape curated in collaboration with MicroTraction and explore potential investment opportunities with some of our promising portfolio businesses. To attend this event, register via the link in the show notes. We'd hate for you to miss this one, so see you there. We are still exploring the concept of community as a practice and how it can be leveraged to build ventures and drive the growth of the African tech ecosystem. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Not So Secret Source podcast, where we open source the secret source. My name is Andile Masugu. I'm head of community at Founders Factory Africa. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today's episode of the podcast is one I'm super excited for. Again, a special episode, part of a mini series of content focusing on the power of community. I am privileged to have on this one good friends, personal friends of mine, and people I've looked up to professionally for a very long time. Welcoming first to the show today, Tayo Akinyemi, host and producer of the much-loved Trajectory Africa podcast and someone who's consulted for a wide range of organizations about the art of inquiry, research, and design thinking, to name but a few of the things she has over the years conducted herself uh, studiously to become an expert at. The Trajectory Africa, for those of you not in the know, is an excellent pop-up podcast that explores the trajectory or pathways of venture capital and how startups are finding their feet within this uh, burgeoning early tech ecosystem here on the continent. Well, again, I say much about a, a woman who is not just an incredible professional, but also a friend. Welcome to the show, Tayo. Good morning, good afternoon, Andile. What an introduction. So kind, so generous. I'm so excited to be here. Also, it's all true. I should mention that you've been consulting for, you know, for the better part of a year plus now, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, at the UNDP. And I think there's also interesting ways we'll be drawing from some of that experience that has has relevance to our conversation about community. What is it you've been up to for the last short while at the UNDP? Yes. So I'm the learning and community manager with the Global Accelerator Lab Network. So it's essentially uh, 91, if you like, social innovation labs that are based or work in 115 countries. Uh, the basic idea is to reimagine how development is done from the bottom up by leveraging <laughs> what we describe as the largest, fastest learning network on the SDGs. So essentially there's almost like a colleagues um, on the ground. <laughs> I literally um, imagine, <laughs> I'm imagining Navy SEALs hanging from helicopters. <laughs> I, went, I think I went a little bit too aggressive with the analogy. Uh, like a SWAT team, yeah. <laughs> but no, I understand aggressive. what you mean. <laughs> uh, but um, there's such a talented group of, of professionals. So 
They often have backgrounds that are entrepreneurial or research-oriented, ethnography, et cetera. And what they're really good at doing is sort of understanding what the sort of most pressing challenges are on the ground, figuring out who who's already working on it, the local innovators who have already spotted the problem and are hacking away at it, and then figuring out how to embed it into the UNDP's development programming. That's it in, in a wow. nutshell. Yeah, so lots to mine there. And by the way, that's not even the reason you actually in who we initially reached out to you to join this conversation, because at the time we weren't actually aware of your live consulting activities. And it just so happens, you know, you're a Kobe community builder working in a very, very different context. So that'll be fascinating to to unpack. But before we jump into all that, I must introduce our next guest. Actually, you and I, Tayo, have a lot to thank our colleague here for in terms of us being friends and colleagues and full disclosure we've you know we've done you know, business together we've co-executed on projects together and so but a lot of our rapport was orchestrated by community engagement opportunities curated by this gentleman and his incredible partner so without further ado Amin Yusuf stand up and take the applause, sir. Come on. Amin Yusuf is... <laughs> Amin Yusuf, of course, is the co-founder of The Colors. And critically, Afrobuy is a connection point between the African tech sector and other global tech ecosystems. Amin, shout out to your incredible partner in progress, Hawea Mohammed, who is not on the podcast today. But welcome to you, bro. Welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, it's a great honor to join this session. And having this session with you and Tayo, I I think we know each other. Tayo, I met her for the first time in 2015. And uh, you, I think it was 2017. Yeah, that's right. So basically, we are approaching to the decade soon. That's just which is like bananas. Yeah, because, you know, and I think it's going to be related to the conversation we will have about community building, yeah. uh, content, uh, cultural. Yeah, so let's keep it for after. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you very much for uh, having nah, me bro, in your thank session. Thank you. Thank you. But And here's what's special about you, too. I mean, you've leveraged the time we've known you and even the time before you know, the, t the time that, you know, precedes that uh, you sort of leading one of the leading creative agencies in, in, in Paris, um, big youth, you've leveraged all the time, a lot of the time, even prior to you being a business person, just your passion for community has, has itself become both a product development conduit and platform for work you're doing as a founder guy we're going to talk about it man i want to, want to talk all <laughs> about that but before we get into it we like to do an icebreaker and uh we're going to do a quick lightning round i'm going to invite some hot takes from you your gut feel is what we're looking for but i'm actually going to warm us up with quotes you both shared with me just being your brilliant selves over the last week Tayo, you say you you just casually put out this quote. You say communities are far better equipped to solve big problems than any one individual or organization. It was so good I had to tweet it. It's out in the world because that uh, that has to warm up what we're about to talk about. And then I mean, you said collaboration is a consequence of community. I just I just want this to sit a little bit, uh, you know, in, in the ether. But I'm going to invite. I'm going to invite Amin first to comment on Tayo's quote. 
when you hear oh, okay. you, when you hear communities yeah. are far better equipped to solve big problems than any one individual or organization give me the very first word that comes to mind okay empathy empathy and we're going to unpack that word later on in the show tayo when you hear collaboration is a consequence of community what is the first word that comes to mind baggage baggage okay so we have two kickoff points for our conversation in a short while empathy and baggage we're going to pick that up in a moment here for the icebreaker now some hot takes on dinners as a way to gather for birthdays etc what's your hot take on that i mean i mean oh okay you know i'm based in france you know so dinners and lunches are like so important and basically you know lunch is where you close deals <laughs> in france okay and dinner is where you build network and we organize ourselves in regularly dinners for two initiatives whether it is the colors or or afrobytes and and it's becoming a kind of business club where people just enjoy to be together and uh, and it goes beyond business because what i've noticed which is like very interesting you you invite people and you say okay we we do a business dinner and you really pick people like you try to have nice people around and rapidly after maybe 5 minutes people stop to talk about business they talk about their kids about their holidays about all those things so they just emotionally connect and when they leave you know they just we you know start to know each other and when they leave they are like okay let's see on monday to talk about business and it's very interesting because it's you have to build this connection with people before expecting doing business with so them. i'm sensing It dinner is, so is has the thumbs up from you i mean <laughs> <laughs> as a way to gather definitely a thumbs up from amin your hot take please tayo on subscription only communities you can't get in unless you subscribe uh, that's a massive thumbs down for me i mean i think mm-hmm. you need to give something you need to share something before you can ask for something in return so i'm not about that life <laughs> the trajectory africa is not going subscriber only for the for the moment i imagine absolutely not all right all right so amin your hot take on tea coffee coke pepsi so tea coffee oh. coke or pepsi and i'm naming all things with caffeine in them or water it's about east african tea or coffee from the mother, from uh, from the motherland uh-huh. uh, so definitely uh, I see what you did there tea. you didn't you didn't say whether it's and Ethiopian coffee or Tanzanian or Kenyan I und- I see I see you you, you want to stay safe yeah <laughs> you just went <laughs> motherland right <laughs> yeah it's, it is a motherland and you know I'm I am from the Comoros island <laughs> okay. I'm I'm a East African uh, guy <laughs> you want to stay happy uh, <laughs> you want to stay happy with your comrades <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and definitely water okay. because water water is fantastic. It's the ultimate taste. It's pure. I never met anyone telling me I don't like water. And so it sounds like water wins. <laughs> okay, not that it's a competition. But what one last one last take from you Tayo as as we warm up for our chat video podcasts. <laughs> I don't want to tease what I think your answer is going to be. <laughs> Uh I have a, I have a feeling I know but go ahead what's your hot take on video podcasts I don't get them in the sense that what are the assumptions about 
how the how the listener is consuming the content. I don't have anything <laughs> against them, right? But it's like I listen to podcasts when I'm, you know, folding my laundry or right. you know, cleaning my apartment. And so the video can be on, but it doesn't add any value to my experience. So yeah, nothing against them, but don't get it. Gotcha. I thought you were going to take it even more personal. Like you're not about to do a video podcast. <laughs> well, that too. That not too. without a gun to your head, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Anyone mean, who knows I, Tayo knows what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a lot to be video ready. You're 100% right. You know me very, very well. I, I hear you. But thank you both for playing. I think we're really warm. Not that we needed it. I think we have a really unique opportunity to unpack perspectives around the power of community at the intersection of, you know, our shared histories, the three of us, but also the live experiences, we, you know, you all have. Let's start with basic things, right? Let's talk about the role community has so far played to bringing you to this point. I mean, as a community builder, curator, catalyst, and then leading into now leveraging community to build a startup. Talk about the role community has so far played in that journey for you. You talked about my background as a founder of a creative agency, marketing digital. That was my, I mean, like my first company was about that. And uh, my job at this time was to uh, see some clients and whatever they put in my hands, convince people to get it. You know, so it's very interesting because when you do that, you start to feel like, okay, what is the story of this service of all this product? And um, you feel like, you know, you feel like an artist. You want, you know, like like a music artist will gather people in a stadium. That's the kind of things that you are doing. I don't know why, but I, I relate a lot, you know, the music artist to entrepreneurs. I don't know why. It's, it, 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 it is just me, you know, because what I really like is the creative business. So there's a large part of creativity for me in when I'm doing a project, a startup, or what I did with, uh, what I'm doing with Afrobytes or the clothes. It's always about building an audience and building an audience, you build an audience with a community. So, and after, yeah, you, you are trying to monetize this, but the very beginning is building an audience and try also to uh, create, um, how we say that in English, sorry for our audience. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, a friend. Um, fidelity, um, I mean, like when people, you know, just keep on uh, connecting with what you do, it's just to make sure that people keep on, you know, following you, sticking with your ID and participating in, in your project. Gotcha. And gotcha. People. I was actually listening for two things. So something stood out to me. Loyalty. Loyal loyalty. 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 Yeah. Sorry. So for, uh, for the English speaking people, loyalty translation in French is fidelity. Mm. Well, thank you, my, my French word for the day. <laughs> you know, as you were talking, two, so you connected two dots for me that I've never really connected before, even though I've known you for so long. One, I'd never really seen the connection between you being an agency owner and serving massive clients. I could name drop them. You know, yeah, people can just Google big youth and they'll, they'll, they'll get the idea. So I'm, I'm talking really big, big brands that have to solve for maintaining the loyalty of 
feverish fans around the world and maintaining a sense of like being at the cutting edge of creativity and class and 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 prestige and and so i'd never really seen the connection between that your love for music the need for for people to sort of maintain i suppose the connection they have with an adoring fan base or audience and how you've kind of recognized the power of connecting and connecting people as being a very sustainable way to to do that well and to mutual benefit so not yeah because i'd never really connected the dot between that and your decision to co-found yeah. afrobytes one of my inspiration in business i i always had a problem you know to get inspiration from people like mark zuckerberg or those guys from the silicon valley because i definitely don't have the same background you know first i'm a black founder i I have a different social. I always really looked at some people like Barry Gordy, you know, yeah. uh, the founders of the Motown. This guy, uh, he started the Motown with five hundred dollars in his pocket. So, I think his um, his journey is m more close to you know my social background. So I look at that, and uh, this man, he had this feeling that. At a very precise moment, he was able to create this Motown record label, and he just understood at this moment that there was a need for this representation of black music artists and uh, and the ownership. So yeah, yes, that's my impression, and I try to take some ingredients from that when I create services or having ideas for business. Yeah. So, Ty, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. So you have some, <laughs> you're rolling heavy in terms of like being able to have acquired through much effort, Ivy trimmings as, you know, from two very prestigious Ivy League institutions. And, I, and I'll tell you why I'm embarrassing you in that way, because I know you don't, you don't flaunt those affiliations and, 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 and the work, you know, and the, the degrees you've sort of garnered from from these institutions, but it, it has struck me that one of the things that comes with or from the privilege of being able to, to sort of attend an Ivy League institution and however you, 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 you manage to, to do it, because everyone's story is different, not everyone can afford it or has a legacy to leverage. But one of the benefits, obviously, is that you, you plug into a live network of, I suppose, human privilege and privileged access and connection. I wonder how much you might reflect on that and, you know, for better or for worse, and just, and you know, I suppose reflecting on your personal ethos around community and, and how it can sort of constructively build things and also be leveraged to innovate and breed collaboration. How much of that is reflected in your experience, you know, having attended two Ivy League institutions and how much of that is is something you are actively trying to redefine? I've never really thought about it in those terms. But what I can say, it, if you've, I guess, spoken directly to or maybe you've heard about anecdotally people who have, who have had rough family lives, and in order to kind of, you know, preserve their sense of self and sanity and mental health, 
they distance themselves from their quote unquote original family and they they choose their family, you know, in their friends and associates. I think what I can draw from that experience is those types of institutions, and they're not the only ones that do this, kind of set up a structure where the assumption is that by passing through a certain experience in this institution, the result will be community in the format of, of, a, of an alumni group. And, you know, I think that equation does pan out a lot of the time, which is why you have, you know, things like endowments and people coming back 30 years later when they've made it to the mountaintop to kind of give back what they acquired. But I don't think it's a given particularly to Amin's point, if your background is different, if you're not a legacy student in the earlier days, if you were a woman, if you were a person of color, that kind of assumed feeling of community was maybe not so assumed. So when I think of think about community building, I, I think in a lot of cases when it's done well, it's really choosing your family and choosing what you're going to convene around, discuss, put your energy around, establish values around, if that makes sense. That's really, really interesting. So let's bring up the word you you threw out when I when I quoted <laughs> when I when I asked you to comment on on Amin's quote, right? So Amin's quote was earlier in the week he says, you know, collaboration is a, a consequence of community, right? So I'm I'm playing that on on the state on, on what you just shared, but also bringing the word you thought or you know that surfaced to the top as soon as I said that statement earlier, which is baggage, right? So I'm leaning in on the baggage of you having been to Princeton and Wharton, right? And and you obviously not mirroring the experience of a lot of people who get to go there with ease and emerge, you know, unscathed because you know the system favors their progression through those those very I suppose, often not diverse halls. So I just wonder what sort of baggage you're carrying around, you know, around community and and what collaborative consequences you've seen, perhaps for the for the best from a best case scenario, seen come out of your experience with com the communities you've been involved in building or being a part of. So I suppose I have to state for the record that it was Cornell, not Wharton, although I, you know, I have uh, a lot of <laughs> I have a lot of respect for Wharton grads. I mean, that's that's top tier, top tier stuff, but I, I suppose I can't get away with masquerading. <laughs> no, you, you but also Cornell Cornell's Cornell's shine too. Come now, let's be honest. I'm I'm really sorry. I messed that up. Uh but yeah, but yeah, what what sort of bag <laughs> but yeah, so Cornell, Princeton, baggage, you know, I would collaboration as a consequence of community. So I would say the essence of it, I wish I could remember both terms. I know the first is maybe it's inclusion versus belonging. I think that's the dichotomy. So I think the essence of the baggage is whether or not you belong in these institutions from a variety of perspectives. So maybe you didn't go to Exeter and you end up at, at, at Princeton. Maybe you're the first person in your family to go to university and you end up at Harvard. Or maybe you're aspiring to be a doctor and you're not sure you can hack <laughs> pre-med. There are many, many dimensions of I'm here, but am I really meant 
to be here and how do I navigate a path through a place that feels, you know, maybe uncomfortable in the best case scenario, if you're questioning whether you belong in hostile in the worst case scenario. And I think in terms of baggage and community building, to look at it from the other perspective is what makes what Amin said so powerful is we assume that because we convene a group of like-minded individuals, you know, smart, values-oriented, interested in the same stuff, listen to the same type of music or don't, but appreciate, you know, what music and art bring to the table, that you're going to just enter the room and get straight to work without yeah. acknowledging all of the quote-unquote baggage, you know, the stuff that people don't want to say or acknowledge or haven't thought about, like your question about my my educational background and interrogate that stuff, discuss it, you know, over dinner or lunch and, you know, get to know the person across the table as a person before you start trying to figure out, you know, how to build audiences and and connect and monetize and, and all of that. And, you know, the reason I bring this up is because people are going to, you know, click on the links in the show notes and they're going to check out your LinkedIn profile and then be like, ah, I get why she, she's into community. You know what I mean? <laughs> ah, you know, she went to Cornell, you know? Yeah, she's, you know, she's, she's a Princeton alum. And this is really why I raise it and why I think these are pertinent questions because it also speaks to the word, you know, Amin shared in response to your quote, right? Which is communities are far better equipped to, to solve big problems than any one individual organization. I mean, you taught me that mm-hmm. if you took a if you took a stroll in in Paris where you live, and you 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 walked into one of the you know a lovely park, and you saw the word organic written out in letters on the ground, you wouldn't assume for a moment they you know they just organized themselves into the into the word organic, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's you there's a huge oversimplified sense that great community is organic, which often is true. But people forget that great community is also orchestrated, right? It, it, oh, yeah. it is an intentional dynamic. And mm-hmm. I learned from you that someone has to do that work and commit to doing that work so that great communities can exist and thrive, right? And it's not surprising to me that the word empathy came up when when I shared that quote, because I think you you have an intuitive sensibility of what people need and therefore who and how best you can curate opportunities for people to exchange value to mutual benefit. Tell me how you sort of happened upon that sensibility, because for you, it, 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 well, I first experienced it as, as a member of, as, as someone who attended an amazing conference that Afrobytes would curate on an annual basis that had to be one of the most organically, quote unquote, organically curated and beneficial curations of humanity that I, of, of any given year in the three years I got to attend before COVID hit. So how do you come to these sensibilities? Is this, is this, is this a talent? Is it a gift? How did, I, I have a sense that you've, you've come to it though. I feel like you've, you've evolved to this point where this makes sense to you intuitively. In my case, it's about observation. I mean, if you look at human history, it's always been there. It's just in front of our eyes. Let me give you some example from business to, to, to political or, or organization. If you look at something like, for example, Airbnb, they're just a community of travelers. 
And one day, one guy say, hey, I don't have the money. Maybe you can, you know, can I stay on your couch? And the person is okay. So I'm going somewhere else. Can I use your couch, your, your, your couch again? So at the beginning, Airbnb was a community of people ready to just, you know, offer the, their, their couch to people traveling. So that's an example of a community of travelers and then someone pop up with an ID and propose this ID to the community. But this person cannot solve this problem alone because after it's the contribution of all the community that makes Airbnb happen. So having an ID is not enough. It's just, it's after it's engaging people to do that. And if I relate that to, for example, uh, what Martin Luther King did, he had this ID of a profound injustice in the US. He had the ID, but at the end of the day, he couldn't do this alone. He had to first have the feeling of, is it a feeling that a lot of people have? Uh, how do I communicate this to people? How do I, I, I engage them? And after, as you know, the quote of, of Tayo said, it's all these groups that is able to do something. And if you look at other, I mean, many historical stuff, uh, what a community is, is able to do, and the solution is in the community. I, I, I will get an example that is like, coming to my mind. I, I hope I express it well because, you know, English is not my la native language. It's all good, bro. But when I think about the question of slavery, nobody freed the slaves. They freed themselves. You know, it's not, it's not someone who come and say, hey, I free you. They just started to together and say, hey, we have to do something about it. And they thought about it. So the solution was, within the community and and the community has of course a, a huge problem i mean that's 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 really clear but at one point this community comes together and uh, engage to to solve this problem and i think that yeah you have this you can see that uh, throughout the history there are tons of examples of that and finally we 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 are not inventing something new it's just how the bigger changes, how do you want to... I heard a lot this quote about, ah, I want to change the world. Okay, but you won't change it alone, okay? Yeah. You got to, to engage people and you have to inspire people to, to, uh, to drive change yeah. because alone you cannot do anything. And also just, you just connected another dot for me when I think about you know, your transition from, from agency owner to community convener and community builder through Afrobytes. I think you brought your understanding for the role of content to that party in a way that certainly at the time, conferences were really just being thought of as places for some of the most powerful and most well-resourced players within Africa's early stage tech scene. Like, these were places they came to floss and basically perpetuate their rhetoric around why they're good for the ecosystem. So I think of the likes of Facebook and Google and big biggies like that were, were basically just throwing money at, and of course, like some of the bigger and earlier VCs and stuff like, they were convening places to remind people why they were great for the world and why, you know, 
we should all be so grateful that they're they're helping tech thrive on the continent. And then you come to the party with, no, no, no. First, you, you don't demonize them because you pragmatically go, they're playing a role and that's great, but there's a role they can't play, which is connecting people and including people who are typically on the outside of that and people who don't get that message and who don't speak that language. And so Afrobytes, I feel like, was this melting pot of, wait, finally a conference where, wait, not everybody is is talking about, you know, internet is a right as, as for something that was really trending at the time, right? Uh, which is, which was like dodgily headlined by Facebook at the time, but I suppose it's an interesting enough conversation and but it's it's not as practical as okay how is the internet and, and technology impacting my life and how will it help me you know feed my family or you know ensure that i get better healthcare or how does it help me get access to great music or share or share my art if i'm an artist etc and you were bringing very pragmatic sensibilities to that you even went as far as changing the name of afrobytes as a conference you're like no 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 let's go let's call it a marketplace right and I yeah, believe what yeah. you were doing with all this is basically creating content, co content that became a conduit for these ideas that could scale these ideas and that that could give long tail value to these ideas. Is that what I mean? Is is that what you were doing, or am I am I am, do I have a romantic you know lens no, in no, hindsight? No, no, no. You know, <laughs> no. I think you're you're right. I mean, like. Yeah, we switches we switch from conference to marketplace because of this idea of collaboration and how just don't have a top down speech like I'm on stage and I just say oh uh, uh, my fantastic idea. It's it's just about you know how can I collaborate with people. So the idea of a marketplace is okay. I explain you what you, what I do. You explain me what you do, and how can we connect our ideas and creating something else? So there was this idea. Recently, you know, I launched a new startup, which is which name is is Choose. Okay, we called ourselves a collab tech. So for me, a collab tech. I don't know. It's a, maybe a, it's a made up name. I I, I don't have any idea. It's pretty cool. For people who don't know, uh, I mean, I mean, comes up with cool <laughs> cool naming concepts. I have to tell you that <laughs> collab tech so, is now yours. <laughs> the, yeah. So so the idea is how we can innovate on this idea of collaboration, and I have the feeling that it's, it's already here. I mean, this idea of collaboration, how people collaborate. It's already here when you see this API economy, all those things, when you see how people connect what they do, I mean, technology speaking. And so the collab tech is this idea on how do I connect people's interest. And sometimes what is cool is, and especially in what we are doing right now, because we are basically, we are working on connecting the the Western consumers to African farmers. So they have like very different backgrounds, very, but how, what is the, you know, uh, the common point between them and how can we have them collaborating together beyond, you know, their race or language or whatever it is. So we are working on that. And the collection point, for example, if I get this example, what about saving the planet? Because, yeah, and after you just create the tool to help them connect and collaborate on that. And then something like drinking coffee becomes a proxy for that, right? So 
I'm, yeah, I'm drinking exactly. a cup of coffee in, in, in London or someplace like Frankfurt, you know, and I, and I enjoy my coffee, but I also want to make sure that I'm, that my, my enjoyment of coffee isn't compromising, I don't know, the, the environmental well-being of a country like the Comoros where, you know, coffee is farmed, exactly. for example. Or, or, or cocoa is farmed, right? So, you know, is, is that the kind of connect? And then, and then you have this this way of collaborating around that 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 connects people in a way that they would never have otherwise connected. And again, technology being the conduit for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exactly this. It's it's really you know, uh, being being a community builder is being a connector. And what you said uh, when we started, the, you asked me about the keyword. I say empathy. So empathy, first, to connect people, you have to observe people, okay? When you observe them, you have to observe them like closely. You have to really think about, okay, have this person a, an issue or a problem? What, can, what kind of problem it is? Do other people have same issues? Are there other people that can solve this problem? Okay, not especially me, but maybe some people are more equipped than myself to solve the problem of, of those people. Maybe it's another community. So for me, for example, we've, we've chosen the, the things that we are working on. It's uh, on one side, I've got these uh, consumers, those consumers in, in Western countries that are like asking themselves, okay, where my products come from? where it's originated, is it destroying the planet? I'm putting money on that thing, but I don't feel good because I have no idea if I'm doing things well or not. And who can help me knowing that? The person that can help you knowing that is hmm. the people that are originated your product. And those people are in Africa. Hmm. That's those African farmers, hmm. okay? And how, if I connect and I create a collaboration between those two groups, and on the other side, you have those African farmers that are like, okay, I've got access to mobile money, but what for? I don't have any transaction to, to do. I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a farm and I'm, I, I, I don't have transaction. Even if you give me access to that, why should I install this? Because I don't have any transaction. So how do I start having transaction? Oh, maybe those people if I uh, start to make content about the first mile of their product, I show them that, okay, I'm growing their coffee or I'm growing their vanilla and I uh, try to make sure that I'm not destroying the planet because this is something that they want. And I show them, and I show them this, so I'm creating content here. Maybe we will start a collaboration mm. and maybe they will maybe send me a tip for that. Mm. Mm. And I start to get access to financial inclusion because at last my mobile money uh, wallet uh, has, has some use. It's actually ringing. Yeah. It's actually ringing. And I'm yeah. leveraging the creator economy to, to be a true part of the economy. By the way, the people of Comoros are going to butcher me for, for saying they, they're famous for their coffee. I, I do believe vanilla is what the Comoros is famous for too, right? Yeah, vanilla and ilongilong. And ilongilong and, and coffee. Ilong -ilong. And coffee it, it is, is, is your is your other East African neighbors. <laughs> so, yes. So let me not get but that it, twisted. Let me and, but, yeah, and I was I was actually just thinking, Tayo, thinking about content as a as a conduit and, and, and you know, reflecting on on a means 
ability to sort of convert his his community, con, you know, his community building journey into essentially a venture product, uh, a venture and, and a, pro- a product driven venture, as it were. What is your relationship with content, knowing you as a, a fairly reserved individual who writes brilliantly but reluctantly, and is certainly not you not like desirous of the limelight in any shape or form? I mean, what would convince someone like you of the benefit of becoming a content creator and a content curator via this now well-received podcast series, The Trajectory Africa? So I'm going to keep it in the realm of content creation and and social media, but maybe move it a little bit away from podcasting. So there are significant parts of my life that are driven by content creation. So I was, when you asked me how I was doing this morning, I was complaining about being tired because I had a hard workout. The workouts that I do are actually on YouTube. I used to be a little bit of a, I'm going to call myself a gym rabbit because I don't like the term gym rat. So I was a gym rabbit. Rabbit's a lot better. (laughs) So I was a gym rabbit until the pandemic hit and it was scrambling around to figure out how to stay in shape and uh, found workouts on, on YouTube, ended up buying a bunch of dumbbells and sort of continued to work out at home. But the woman whose workouts I follow is a personal trainer in Northern Ireland of all places. And she was basically just trying to solve a problem for herself and her and her clients that many of us who were working out regularly were facing. Like, what am I going to do? The gyms are closed. I st- closed. I still want to try to stay in sa- shape. So she created these workouts, which are her, her own workouts. And this is during COVID, yeah? This is during COVID, exactly. Yeah and broadcasted them to the world. And I remember th- reflecting on that. It's, it's a similar story for um, some of the recipes that I enjoy that were created by people who just love to cook and created a website or a YouTube channel or maybe TikTok or what, whatever. But when I was thinking about the podcast and, and feeling all the feels that you kind of indicated that I might because I am <laughs> reserved, I thought, well, what if those people thought that, you know, what they were creating wasn't good enough to share, that their perspective or or their take on workouts or vegan and vegetarian recipes or calisthenics and, and stretching wasn't worthwhile, that there was someone who was better or smarter or better qualified. I wouldn't have any of those things that add value to my life every day. So for someone like me to be like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start a podcast when there are a lot of other podcasts and I don't know anything about podcasting was to sort of say, you know, maybe there's a chance that my externalizing my learning. And I say that from a place of, of humility because there are just a lot of things I don't know, but I wanted to try to learn those things and I wanted to mm. share that learning and if those people made the assumption that I'm about to make that there's someone better to do it, then I wouldn't have any of those things. So maybe I will set aside my desire to be on default stealth and give it a go and and see what happens. Definitely can relate to that. And I, I'm sure you're finding already interesting opportunities that are arising from that. I mean, 
your your particular area of interest, the curiosity, professional curiosity, but also personal sort of area of interest. And I imagine it's starting to attract or create the opportunity to have interesting conversations about how you might participate more meaningfully, perhaps. It, has that been a natural, I suppose, consequence of of this of this of you acting on this inclination so i'm still on the road and and nothing has been crystallized but to your point about having interesting conversations that lead to other interesting conversations that's definitely been on the uh, been a thing and i hope to be back on the mic soon and and so some of the the conversations i've had about what I guess the next season, if you want to call it that, of the Trajectory Africa could look like and who might be along for the journey certainly have been seated from the 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 first the first series or the 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 first season. But I think again to build on something that Amin said about content and community, when you produce content, you are sharing something about, you know, what you're curious about what you believe, what you like to see, maybe in some cases what you're upset about. And in some ways, it's almost like, I don't know, in the animal kingdom, you have ways of communicating to, you know, to your tribe that you're around. It's kind of a similar thing. You can find your people by creating content and sharing what what matters to you. And so that's kind of the way I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into what comes next. I also just love the long tail potential from a sort of value proposition, from an educational perspective. You know, I, I, I don't know if people tell you this, but I've had people tell me that they've referenced work you've done to, to shape views they're trying to take on the viability of of you know investing in early stage tech in Africa, for example, right? Or I've certainly heard people tell me, as, as someone who's you know executive produced and 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 hosted the African Tech Roundup podcast, which full disclosure you've advised, Tayo. I've heard people say, "Hey, you 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 listening to your show helped me curate my first trip to Africa and and who I should meet and you know whether or not I should do a business partnership or which country I might start with if I'm if I do and I have decided you know to invest in something or partner or do a business here or something like that." And so I definitely love the long tail potential of content being able to enable that in the long tail, you know, not just in the moment. And I mean, I was just thinking about I mean with the with startup you you know with choose how you are actually creating that potential for farmers in starting in the Comoros and other parts of the continent as you sort of hopefully gain traction and 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 your startup blows up how you're potentially starting to create community as a practice through the, the through the medium of making content and how how that's perhaps in its own right democratizing an area of global participation in economics and I mean, who thinks about the Comoros otherwise? You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> exactly. before you before you were my friend, I mean, I might have heard about the Comoros once or twice in my life in a geography lesson or something. But I think with content about it in the world as part of my dashboard view of the world, it changes the game in a way that you probably won't know the power of for many, many years to come, right? When you consume, when you get access to a product, and that was my previous job, most of the influence of consumption is done as a last mile. It's, for example, it's Brad Pitt or Josh Clooney who comes and say, hey, why don't you drink this coffee? Okay? So when I say last mile influencers, 
I mean, like people that are living around us that have not contributed at all in creating this product, your coffee, but because of their status, they invite you to buy something. And this model has been running since advertising is existing in Western countries. Now with technology, with the internet, with access to, no, I mean, global content, especially now with projects like Starlink, even a farmer in a very remote place like, like the Comoros can be now a content producer, okay? And when he's becoming a content producer, and I hope he will become a talented content producer, he can be an influencer of consumption at the first mile. And that changes everything. Because now you don't buy this coffee because Josh Clooney told you to buy it, maybe. Yeah, no yeah. shade, Josh Clooney. You know, okay, good. no shade. You but, but I mean, <laughs> but, you, didn't, you didn't grow that stuff, bro. <laughs> yeah, but now you consume it because maybe in another part of the world, maybe you are a woman and you have kids, three kids, I don't know, a cat. You have another woman in another part of the world who have three kids like you, same kind of issues, and sh you just connect through, you know, those similar things that you have. And you're like, okay, she's doing well, my coffee. And actually, that person will influence me when I will buy a coffee. I will buy this coffee because of her. Not because of George Clooney, but because of her. Because she's taking care, I don't know, about, about nature when she's growing uh, this coffee or this vanilla or whatever it is. So what we are trying to introduce here is, is something I think we are still exploring at the same time. But I, we are in the process of digging this idea of how to create this first mile influence on on conception. What a fantastic way to try and test, you know, whether or not you can productize or the extent to which you can productize community, as it were. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, high quality content and communities, and we all know them when, when we're a part of them, you know, but it feels like this ephemeral thing that sometimes is, is, is hard to sort of pin down. But listening to you, I can definitely sense how there's empathy at, that, at the core of both high quality content and communities. And so, Tayo, I mean, as we kind of wrap up, I'm thinking, you know, where do you start with empathy, though, when creating content to, to serve the ecosystem or in, in, in Amin's case, to, to, to build a brand? Is empathy the starting point or is, is it a product of high quality content? You know, is it, is it chicken and the egg type thing? Do, does everybody have to invest like Amin has most of his pro professional life and, and certainly most of mine, you know, do you have to invest like us or certainly like you in various ways in sort of content creation as a, as a sort of practice of community for this to work out or, you know, what comes first, I guess is what I'm asking. It's a complicated question and sorry to sort of throw you under the bus with it, but. Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe to shrink it down and personalize it a little bit for better or for worse, the empathy I lean into starts with empathy for myself in the sense that I kind of had to embrace the reality that I was coming from a point of both ignorance and curiosity 
and the desire to fill knowledge gaps and sort of be okay with the discomfort of wading into a pool where, yeah, maybe the water's fine, but it feels a little bit deep to me and going forward anyway. And so I think sometimes when you exercise or extend empathy for yourself, then this sort of flows into your interactions with uh, other people. But I think sometimes this is you can get there when you you kind of root those interactions in listening, leading with trying to understand what the other person or people that you're in, engaging with, whether it's sort of an interview on a on a podcast or trying to understand what a person in your in your community needs. So leading heavily into listening and asking questions. I'm I'm thinking, and I don't know why I'm thinking about this. It's very odd, but I'm thinking about this Justin Bieber song. <laughs> the title Which is one? literally, What Do You Mean? What do and you mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now and that's all that's going to play the whole day for the rest <laughs> of the year. Thank you, Tayo. <laughs> I know I've done, I've done everyone a disservice, but he means it in a kind of sarcastic way that you say this, but you mean that. What do you mean? But when you ask it from a place of empathy, it's like, huh, what are you talking about? What is below this? Uh, What do do you mean? So I think when you do that, then you start to create a virtuous cycle of empathy. Because then the person is kind of like, oh, this person actually cares about what I'm talking about. And so I naturally care more about what they talk about. And so now we care about each other. And so where can we go from there? Yes, Tayo. Yes. And and you know what? What a a way to close the show because... You just connected dots for me in terms of like some like a frequency you and Amin both operate on, which is being comfortable in investing in areas that will deliver value in uncertain but often long term periods of time. And often that investment being selfless in nature and and not self-serving in the moment and, and not immediately extractive or obsessed with extraction as an outcome. I think that's what that's why you are my friends. I think that's why you're on this podcast. I think that's why the work you do has such a long standing impact. But I also think that's why it's really hard to replicate. And I think that's hard, why it's so hard to create a a playbook for, especially in the context where people are like, well, if you're going to do that, prove to me that it's worth my while or how it's going to return on investment. We all know that this is that it's going to return. We just are more committed to one, the trust that it's worth it. And also we're patient and we're willing to perhaps even not be around to see it come to fruition. I'm just realizing that you you probably wouldn't think of yourselves in that way, but I have watched you live your lives, sometimes in close proximity, but also from a distance. And I, I definitely think you you are both the embodiment of community in, in practice community as a philosophy, but then also community as as a means to actually do business well. Yeah. And I think the UNDP are lucky to have you, Tayo, figuring this out for them, with them, <laughs> you know, on the SDGs tips and, and on the innovation, on the innovation side of things. And I mean, we're lucky to still have you creatively inviting us to be a part of your innovation architecture. And and now watching you build a, a startup 
a tech startup, we're just lucky to have a front row seat to this, bro. And I just want to say thank you to you both. That's really what thank I want to say. Thank you. And and thank you, Andile, because what you didn't, what you didn't mention about, about Afrobats is that many of the very good individuals that I have invited at Afrobytes to to speak is because I found them on African Tech Roundup. Oh, wow. You did this great work of curation in in the tech ecosystem. You, you really, you know, created those conversations. And at the early days of when I started my journey into African Tech, I was like, a loyal uh, a listener of your podcast. And I learned wow. so much. Wow. I discovered so many people. Wow. And some of the names that have been at Afrobytes is because I heard them talking to, to you, talking about their experience, their stories. And uh, so thank you for that. You're going to make me cry, my guy. What's up with you, bro? <laughs> so oh, it's, it's all about okay. this big collaboration, this big circle. So. Yeah. Let's keep on doing this. Oh my word, yeah. Yeah, Thank I'm you. sorry. That's, I need to uh, uh, I need to chime in here. <laughs> sorry oh to to jump on the on the on the bandwagon uh on delay, but it, it, it needs to be done. So again, to shrink it down, you know in VC they often talk about category leaders and category definers. I mean, African Tech Roundup is a category definer for inciting community building an African tech adventure, point blank, period. I mean, you are an OG. You were doing this before we even knew it needed to be done. And well. so when I sort of fixed my face to think <laughs> that I was going to, to podcast, you were the first one I turned to and you were so generous in kind of helping me think through the big things. So, you know, what are the questions? What is the goal? But also the small things. So what, you know, microphone should I use? So when we're, you know, closing a conversation about community, I mean, who orchestrated this conversation? <laughs> it oh. was you. So I, I'm just feeling intensely grateful to be here. So thank you so much. Oh. For the record, I love you both, and thank you. That's very kind. Thank you. And, and I just, uh, I'm just transported to to being in in Montparnasse for the first time, for, in Paris for the first time, in Montparnasse, all expenses paid, being treated better than I'd ever been treated as a as a journalist, and and in Paris to attend the very first or the second Afrobytes marketplace ever, and yeah, man. And both of you are a part of that and have been part of my life since. And yeah, it's been a privilege. I appreciate you both. And, and thank you for sharing and making me cry on this podcast. <laughs> a big thank you uh, to Tayo Kinyemi joining us from Chicago in the great United States of America. And of course, Amin, <laughs> Amin Yusuf joining us from, from Paris. Shout out to Nigeria. Hey, Tayo. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, Always. shout out to the Comoros, Amin. Oh, yes. So I look forward to seeing you there. Listen, no, most beautiful we, need, we need to track down the, the world's best vanilla. So it has to happen. Now. <laughs> it, has to happen. Okay. <laughs> it has to happen. So thank you both. And uh, to our listeners, thank of you. course, all of you uh, for spending time with us. Till the next time, it's a big thank you from the Not So Secret Source podcast. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.